welcome to the Spaceport America podcast with me, Alice Carruth, the Public Relations Coordinator for the New Mexico Spaceport Authority. We're the state agency that manages Spaceport America. On today's episode, I'm joined by Liz Kinnick, who is the leader of the Teachers in Space 501c3 nonprofit program. So Liz, tell us about Teachers in Space. Well, Teachers in Space is like a dream come true for me. It was a project started by the Space Frontier Foundation around 2009. They got a NASA cooperative agreement to create summertime week-long workshops for teachers across the country to bring space into the classroom. At that time, they thought that there were some suborbital space companies who were close to flying, maybe within the next two years, and they were eager to start preparing teachers to know about the new commercial space industry to start to think about types of experiments that could be done in space and begin a program that would eventually lead to teachers begin flying with those suborbital companies and then returning to the classroom. Um, I became the president of Teachers in Space in 2011 and have been running it ever since. We have done a lot of flying of experiments we have put teachers on parabolic flights in aircraft, testing commercial spacesuits for about four years. We have yet to send a teacher to space, and I still believe we might only be two years away. It feels more true every year, um, and this year has certainly been the best yet. So tell me what it is you do in these workshop programs and how you help build um, knowledge on, in aerospace in classrooms across the country. Yeah. So what we found was that of the different types of workshops that teachers in space started doing, there was one on suborbital astronautics, which was really fun. It involved a lot of training at places like the Civil Aeronautical Medical Institute or at NASA facilities, going in centrifuge, going in hyperbaric chamber. We had space medicine and human factors. But the thing that is easiest to bring into the classroom and best engages the students is the flight experiments workshop. It's also the thing that can be done the most affordably. We've started uh, with balloon launches, doing our first balloon launches in 2012. Several of the teachers who've been through our program have started their own balloon programs. And we have one running in upstate New York called High Altitude Achievement that continues to fly many of our launches for us today. Um, and then we had some partnership with the Perlan program for a while with their stratospheric glider that set world records while carrying some experiments built by students and teachers. Now we have flown one suborbital CubeSat with Blue Origin. We're about to put our first 3U orbital satellite into space. And so our focus in this summer's workshops has been what can you do with a 1U 3D printed CubeSat frame and some Arduinos. How do you fly that on a balloon and get it back? Um, what can you do with 2U suborbital? And so we'll be supporting the teachers having spent two days of the week working on the programming of those Arduinos and then another day with the data. We're ready to support them and their students in designing the experiments for some suborbital flights with Blue Origin next year. And then we also had one day of the workshop on satellite tracking communications and working with orbital satellites, including ISS. And uh, those teachers are now ready for when our orbital satellite launches, we hope in September. 
Can you give us an example of the kind of CubeSats you've been sending up? What kind of experiments have they taken up so far and what the teachers got out of that kind of training from them? Yeah, so um, on our website, if you go to tis.org, and look at the tab for past experiences, you will see pages from the different things that teachers and their students have designed and flown in the past. And they range, especially with the Perline project, because we had such a wide range of classroom designed experiments there, from the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry preschool playground, three and four-year-olds, uh, their volunteer was helping them understand the effects of air pressure and lack of air pressure. And they were working with marshmallows. What happens to a marshmallow in a bell jar if you take out the air, reduce the air pressure? What if you put it in a hyperbaric chamber? What if you put it up on the purline glider? What if it goes up on a balloon? So that's a really fun one um, to watch the marshmallow expand and retract as it comes back to earth. Um, at the more technical level, an 11th grader at the Gloversville High School in upstate New York, working with his teacher, Chris Murphy, who also runs our balloon program, wanted to see if a new radiation protection material using lead titanate zirconet could be infused into fabric, and if that would work as protection against radiation. So that experiment has two Geiger counters, one wrapped with a fabric infused with the lead zirconite it and one unwrapped. And sure enough, when we fly it, whether on the Perline glider, on the balloon, we put this one um, on the Blue Origin flight as well, you get back a nice chart. You get comma separated data that you can feed into Excel or Google Sheets and then create a chart that clearly shows radiation seen by each of the Geiger counters and they run in parallel up and down, you get a nice view of your flight with altitude and radiation at altitude. So you see a balloon go up and come down quickly. At the glider, you see a very flat flight because the glider tends to stay at altitude for hours. And you get twice the amount of radiation on the unwrapped as on the wrapped. So it's a really great experiment because you can see, you can visualize the data and it raises new questions. Uh, sometimes there's a spike in the radiation data right toward launch. Is that really a radiation spike? Is there something going on with the electronics? There's more to discover here and the teachers and students find that very engaging. So you recently conducted one of your workshops down here in New Mexico in June of 2022. Can you tell me a little bit about what that workshop in, uh, was covering and what the teachers kind of came away from that experience, how they felt about it? Yeah, well, first, I want to thank you for helping us do that. It is something that we have wanted to do. We have not been to Spaceport America before. Um, we have visited Virgin out at Mojave in 2015 and 2012, but to come into the spaceport and to see the spaceship being built and to get some of the experience that a passenger might feel sitting in the lobby in the lounge waiting to fly was just, it, it actually almost made me cry and it kind of still does when I talk about it. It's been long awaited and we're delighted to be 
doing workshops for real teachers and doing them in New Mexico. Tell us about that, what you did here in New Mexico when you were here in June of 2022. Oh, it was thrilling. We had five full days and we got to do everything we wanted to do. We had two days of working with Arduinos, programming the Arduinos and learning how to do wiring, even some soldering, which actually many of the teachers said was their favorite part to get their hands on with soldering and discover they can do it. It's fun and they don't need to be afraid of it anymore. We also did an actual balloon launch. We launched from a Walmart parking lot. Uh, Chris Murphy was with us from High Altitude Achievement. He uses software to predict where the path of the balloon flight will be, where it will land and backtrack from there to where we should launch from. And it was a success. The balloon went up, came down expected. Uh, it was about a one hour walk from the road through the brush to get that payload. And while the team were recovering the payload, the rest of us got to go to Spaceport America. So that was amazing. We got to see spin launch, which was something we had heard about, but to go inside and see how it works and have it explained to us was wonderful. And then we also got to go inside Virgin Galactic and see the spaceship being worked on, which was a highlight for me to actually get to see that. Um, we had a day of working with the data. We had a day of glider flights. And there were even some teachers who said they didn't think they wanted to go up in a glider. But the pilots did such a good job of explaining how a glider works, how a glider flies, that even those who were nervous just decided to go first in the morning while the air was still calm and there wasn't a lot of lift. It would be an up and down ride. And they came back so thrilled that after that, everybody did it. So that was wonderful. And then finally, we had um, a nice talk from Hashi Sudler of Villanova University about how blockchain works. He's got a blockchain experiment that will be on our Serenity satellite that's scheduled to go up in September with Firefly. We did hands-on with radio communications, tracking satellites, receiving data from satellites. And uh, then we got back our... Um, evaluations and the teachers said what they loved best were the glider flights and building the Arduinos. So that's exactly what we were hoping for. So what's the after action of having done a workshop with teachers in space? What kind of support do you provide teachers to then take what they're learning in your workshops back into classrooms so that they can do CubeSat launching or glider flights with their students? Yeah. So the point of this summer's workshops is for teachers to be able to take the equipment we give them. So we gave them one YouTube sat frames that they built. We gave them Arduino Unos and about seven different sensors that they practiced with. And they have that all put together. They can take that back to the classroom. They can explain it to their students. They can use those data sensors in the classroom, but they can also now design experiments for data they would like to collect from a suborbital launch. And we are able to purchase some suborbital flights. We're going with Blue Origin in around February of next year for this time. And we will support the teachers during the months of October through February until the launch in working with and designing those experiments. We will build the actual flight experiments because we're gonna use something a little smaller, an Arduino Nano, 
so that we can pack multiple experiments into those two U frames. So what the teachers have effectively is an engineering model or a prototype. When they have the design they want, we'll build it, it will fly, and they'll get the data back. You also mentioned a partnership with Firefly, and I know you were able to take one of the teachers from this workshop to the payload integration on that. Can you talk a little bit about what that partnership is and, and what it is you'll be flying with them? Yeah, so that's exciting for a number of reasons. One of the things that we have really enjoyed about working with the new commercial space flight providers is that while they are new and while they are fairly small, many of them are pretty open to letting teachers who are flying with them get close to the rocket. And so we have had teachers come with us to integrate payloads at Firefly and at Blue Origin. Um, I think that as Blue get bigger and are flying more often, that's going to be more difficult. We haven't had that opportunity with SpaceX. When we've flown things with SpaceX, they've already been launching so much that NanoRacks have handled the integration for us. But at the moment, we are still doing our own integration with Firefly. And so we were able to take a teacher chosen from New Mexico and a teacher <clears throat> chosen from the following workshop, which was in Kansas, put on by Cosmosphere, they went with us and literally got their hands on the satellite, understood how the mechanism for deployment works, and helped to put that satellite into the deployer ready for launch. That sounds like a really great hands-on experience. Uh, when will that one be launching? Do you know? And whether or not the teachers will be involved in, in watching the launch at the very yeah, so right now the date that Firefly are aiming for is September 11th. And of course, there are a few milestones that have to occur before that can happen. Just as with any rocket launch, the rocket has to go vertical and there has to be a static fire. And if these things are achieved, then they should launch on September 11th. Uh, right now, they are allowing us to bring a couple of teachers with us. When we negotiated the budgets for the workshops for this summer, we asked each sponsor to cover some cost of enabling teachers to have what we call a real space experience. It's not yet a space flight. Space flights are still quite rare and quite expensive, but to go get your hands on during the integration or to be there for a launch, that we can achieve if any launch provider will give us the opportunity. We just have to cover the travel costs. So at the moment, I think we have somebody from Maine, or it could be Kansas. I think we have a couple more from Kansas. I think that New Mexico had the one, and we went ahead and took her for integration because we were certain of that date. And we're really, really glad she got to go with us right before the workshop happened. Um, I think it's going to be Kansas at this next one, at the launch. I'm really excited for that. And I, I think it's really great that you're able to give teachers a real hands-on experience when it comes to education outreach, because I know from my experience, watching a launch in person or being part of that integration will give them a better experience and a better understanding to take back into the classroom, which is what you're looking for. Do you think that this is something that will be an annual opportunity in this area or something you'd be interested in coming back down and doing as an annual opportunity in this area? And if so, how can teachers get involved with following you and finding out more information about it? 
Yes, well, I would love to come back. We all had a wonderful time and we were delighted when Paolo from the New Mexico Space Grant Consortium, who was our major sponsor for this workshop, said something about, we'd like to see them back. If this is true, we'll be very happy. So um, we are talking about these things. What is coming up for us is a slightly different opportunity in New Mexico. Um, we have a project with New Mexico State University and we're going to be doing a weekend for teachers in January. And I think that the university are selecting the teachers who will participate in that. And I understand that this is an effort to tie what we offer directly to the next generation science standards, which is something that we have done on our own. We have gone through the standards and said, oh, at the fifth grade, sixth grade and 11th grade, levels, here's where we tie in. But now we're going to do it across the board, which is a really, really good next step. That sounds like an amazing opportunity to do. What would, you know, you obviously were doing this program out of the Challenger Learning Center here in Las Cruces. What was that experience like being part of that Challenger Center and being able to host the workshop there? And would you consider doing more in Challenger workshop programs across the country? Oh, definitely. Yes. So we have often had half day or day long programs at a Challenger Center in Ramapo, New York. It's not far from New York City. And one of our team members, Joel Jackal, is a high school teacher in Forest Hills, but he also was a volunteer for a while at that Challenger Center. And so he got us in there and they were very kind to allow us to bring our satellite tracking communications workshop. And we wanted to run that live after two years of COVID shutdown. They were the first place to say, yes, come on, let's get some real teachers in here. And everybody wore masks, but we did the workshop and it was really just thrilling to be back with real teachers again. Um, we loved being at the Challenger Center in Las Cruces. It was a good idea to be in a town so that there we could stay nearby. There were plenty of places to eat. There was a great little museum nearby, lots to do. And it was good for running the balloon launch. We loved the Challenger Center mission. Um, we didn't really have time for what I think the full experience would be, but they gave us a really good taste the first Monday night. And it, I think, informed a lot of what we did during the rest of the week, help us understand, even in the glider flights, listening to the pilot talk to their own ground control reminded us of what we had done at the Challenger Mission. So it really, really was a great location. Tell us what your plan is in the next two to five years with the Teachers in Space program. I know you've touched on the idea of sending a teacher to space. Can you explain why that is an important aspect of what you're trying to do and and what you're hoping to achieve long-term with the program. That is exactly what we want to do. That is our mission, is to start to send teachers to space and bring them back safely to the classroom. Space is not just for rich people. It's not just the most extreme adventure. It certainly attracts people who want an extreme adventure, but it's also becoming more than an industry. It's becoming beyond the next frontier, it is the place where things are happening. And so as we see the new commercial space stations begin to come online, people will be going to and from space, 
working in space and supporting people who work in space. There is a need for ground control. There's a need for human resources, for payroll, for accountants, for lawyers, for distribution of goods, all these things. And so space just becomes part of every aspect of the economy. The best way to help people understand that is to help teachers understand it. Teachers are capable of explaining things. Teachers are naturally curious. And I found talking to the New Mexico and Kansas teachers this summer, they don't teach just 20 or 30 in a class. They're teaching 100 students a year because they're STEM teachers and they are the STEM teacher and they're teaching every class in middle school or every class in high school. So these are the people we wanna work with. Um, it, I believe that we are on the path to getting teachers to space. We're gonna do zero gravity flight again this fall. In the past, we did it as part of a testing program for a commercial spacesuit. We're taking what we learned from that and what we have learned in our research about how to do safe human testing and why zero gravity, parabolic and suborbital testing is necessary before sending things to orbit. So we are looking forward to taking some of our team and at least one teacher from outside our team to do some actual testing of technology in a safe way on a parabolic flight and have that begin our program toward moving towards suborbital flights for teachers. Excellent, Liz. How can people find out more about Teachers in Space? TIS.org, teachersinspace.org. Um, we have information there about this summer's offerings. We still have one workshop remaining. There's a workshop in Maine, which is exactly where you want to be in August. It is August 15th through 19th. It's quite affordable if you're from Maine. The cost to register is $500 and most schools will pay for that. If you are a teacher in Maine, tell your school. Your school will probably ask us for a W-9. Um, there will be a purchase order. They typically are willing and able to pay your registration fee. If you're not from Maine, the cost is higher because a lot of this program is underwritten by the main space grant consortium. And it's fair and understandable that they would be doing that primarily for Maine teachers. However, there are seats available. If you're from out of Maine, the cost is only $1,700. It's still the week long program and it includes the plane flights. I think this is Cessna instead of gliders. It includes a balloon mission. It includes all of the equipment and the training. So it's well worth it. Um, other things you can do, are write to us or call us that's on our website and talk to us about how to get us to come to your state we love if you have a relationship with your state space grant consortium that seems to be a really good way to go but we have also done programs for challenger centers for museums and for schools so uh get in touch and let's figure it out Thank you, Liz. I really appreciate you joining us on this episode of the podcast. And I do hope more people are able to go and find out about Teachers in Space and the incredible program that you guys provide for educators across the country. Proudly produced by LasCrucesToday.com and Bravo Mike Communications.